Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden, and also featuring Megan Runyon, YA superfan, Keith Steigert, Uber Reader and Romance Junkie, Pat Greiner, she has the head of an English major and the heart of a sci-fi nerd. These people are passionate about books, maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. So here's something that hasn't happened in a long time. Bonnie and Martha and I are all in the same room. It feels odd. It does. Why do you have granny candy? You, that is granny this candy. Was, this was in my socks. It's the watermelon package. candy. <laughs> it was in the I package it for my it socks. Watermelon? No, it's strawberry. And oh, I, I won't it? eat it. Oh, I meant strawberry. I was just I meant strawberry. offer. I like granny candy. Candy. Granny oh, candy. I have some granny real, candy. I have some real granny candy in the pantry. Did you got bit of honey? Were there no. Oh, I, I have, honey. I have <laughs> there's... ribbon candy. Oh, I like ribbon candy. I'm so weird. Why do I like... I don't know if I know what ribbon candy old is. Old people candy. Oh, oh, Martha's up. She is on the run. It is candy my grandma always had when I was growing up Same. at Christmas time. Always I had ribbon candy. I feel like we did. I feel like when I see it, I'm going to be like, yeah. I, <laughs> oh, that's, yeah. yeah. Is it the kind that tastes like licorice? Because that stuff's gross. No, it's like, it looks like a ribbon, but it's like hard candy, I think. Sure. Yeah, but I mean... I oh, I think I do know those candies. Dollar Store in Grable, Wyoming. Oh, yeah. Okay, they're the ones with the little thing in the middle. No, the ribbon candies are here. They, they use sometimes they have stuff in the middle. They have the picture in the middle. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's some of the other ones do. Oh, I'm talking about the ribbon candies. There's this. no ribbon candies on yes, the whole there bin. Yes, there is. Right See? there. Uh, okay. except my grandparents always had like, like the. Like the big ribbon candy. They like, don't make those anymore. I think this was just a fluke that this was available. That feels like candy you're going to lose a tooth on. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think we all had so many cavities when we were kids? <laughs> no, like they, they're like candy. Hard. Yeah, but that's not like bite down candy. <laughs> My mom used oh. to make shard candy where um, she would boil sugar. Sugar, sugar yeah. and corn syrup. Corn syrup. Or syrup. And flavoring. And then break it up like crunch. And then pour it into a big sheet pan and then take it out and set it on the freezer until it was nice and cool. And then she'd go. Yep. And it would break yeah. into shards. Kind of like toffee. And we'd pretend to stab each other with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was awesome. My peanut mom, brittle. Mom likes cinnamon. Yeah, she liked peanut My brittle My dad too. loves peanut brittle. Uh, I like peanut brittle. It's disgusting. You are an old woman. <laughs> <laughs> I like all that old. Old We've just discovered old-timey. this. <laughs> old-timey old, foods. Old-timey foods. The, her first response when we said you had old lady candy was she's like, oh, bit of honey? Like, no one buys that. <laughs> hey, I like bit of honey. I love bit of honey. My <laughs> great-grandma delicious. always had bit of honey. <laughs> yeah. Harry Styles ripped the entire crotch out of I his I know. Pants. I was waiting for her to talk about that. I talked about that on the radio what? yesterday. So he Harry- was on stage. He was, did his rescheduled show for LA. Thursday night. On Thursday night. And he... To me, I feel like his pants don't fit. I feel like the man needs a belt um, or something. You think Those he could be any awful. louder there, Bonnie? <laughs> Jesus, it's All like right. church. She's in church and every the whole, whole congregation turns around and goes, Okay, who has candy in here? <laughs> Can you please leave that in? <laughs> totally leaving that so, in. <laughs> I did that on purpose. <laughs> so he's singing. I can't think of what song it is right this second. And he, you can kind of tell his pants have like fallen down his hips and he hasn't just pulled them back up. And he goes to like lunge and like be dramatic. The whole center of his pants just split and his face is like the freeze frames on his and face he just puts his and he just puts his hands, hands down. in front of his crotch because it's it was the front yeah like the whole front the whole front of his pants and then he ran around to the other side and still had his hands like in front of him and then he ran to get like a towel and then he ended up with like a pride flag tied around his waist for the rest of the show yeah his, and then he apologized like he went back after he got the towel like the towel or after he changed clothes or whatever and he went back to the that side and it was like I'm, you could read his lips He's like i'm so sorry i was like you just made their whole night like yeah. they're not upset right now <laughs> i'm so glad that there was no video in the olden days because i think we would have seen that kind of thing a lot more oh yeah for sure especially acid wash jeans remember oh, how thin those God. were <laughs> <laughs> 
They were thinner yep. than a whisper. Right at the back pocket. Oh, yeah, because that's where yeah. they wear thin all Yeah, the, right the at the back pocket. You lean over or right at the crotch. Yep. Well, and those are like back in, like all the Gen Zers yeah. and stuff are like, mine are oh, so thin. That, uh, they were thin then. And now, yeah, I'm they're afraid they're going to disintegrate. Or like when you zip the zipper and it rips up one side when you zip it up. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully I had a really big shirt, so oh, I could just yeah. leave my shirt untucked and it was fine. But. Wardrobe malfunctions can suck. But it seems to me that people have taken the idea of wardrobe malfunctions and just built them in. <laughs> yeah. I think Gucci would prefer their leather pants to not Why don't they just put a see-through patch on the crotch area <laughs> so that we can all see anyway? Well, and Keith, well, Keith was talking about all the memoirs and like all the shit talking and all the memoirs coming up. Everybody's writing a book about something. Dear God, I'm so freaking sick. Like when I open up my browser... That's every story that comes up. It's either Matthew Perry and all his weird little stories about people who he's had sex with that he shouldn't have. Or it's, no offense, Megan, Harry Styles telling stories about his own family. And now it's freaking Not Harry Styles. Anderson. Not Harry oh. Styles. Oh, Prince shit. Harry. Yeah, no, Prince Harry. Sorry. Yeah, see no. See, I have Harry Styles on the brain now. If he freaking, if he has a book that comes out where he's telling stories about people, I'm just like, I do not care, Pamela Anderson, about your fucking three-way that you witnessed with, like, Jack Nicholson. Like, ew. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, you, you know what I thought was funniest about that? The headline is, I walked in on Jack Nicholson having a threesome and we made eye contact. Did you read the article? No. Does that make it a force? I didn't even read the fucking article. And it's just the whole idea that the eye contact was the lead. That was the whole story. But apparently he was not fit. Those, the two girls he was with weren't finishing the job. And then he looked at her and they made eye contact (laughs) through the mirror. And then he finished and he was like, thanks for that. And I'm like, why would you even want people to know that? Like, See, she's desperate. Broke. I think Pamela Anderson is way past her sell-by date, and she's trying oh, to be yeah. relevant. She's trying to get out there in front of everybody so that she can make some money. It's I mean, just, write about yourself, and if you don't have anything if your name to say isn't your in everybody's life, mouth, then, then you're not making any money. I mean, I don't mind a memoir, but that's not a memoir. That's no. like that's name just... dropping and telling other people shit. Yes, it's just dumb. Well, and then did you see the article that? Um, the guy that plays uh, Mr. Feeney was in like an open marriage for a really long Who's time. Who's Mr. Yeah. Feeney? Who the fuck is <laughs> Mr. Feeney? Yeah, I did. Feeney. I was like, I'm Boy sorry, but oh, the, I never the, watched. He's Boy the Meets the, World. the the principal. He's their teacher. Then he's their principal. Then he's like, no idea. Yeah, and anything. I was like, why? Show. I don't. I could have gone my whole life. That is old. <laughs> could have gone my whole life without knowing Mr. Feeney was like just sleeping around with people in his heyday. Like, I don't even leave. Do not ruin Mr. Feeney for me. Leave it alone. All of Martha, those he was the shows, voice though, of Kit. Just... Yes, he was the voice of Kit as well. I don't really know him from Boy Meets World very much, but I mean, I know a bunch of the other stuff he used to do. But yeah, I could have lived a thousand years without knowing about him and his wife's weird open marriage for the first 20 years that they were married. Yeah. That'd be like learning that about um, the principal from Saved by the Bell. Yes. I never saw that either. Yes. Yeah. What? Saved by the by, Bell? Saved by the Bell? Nope. Yeah, no. I was already an adult by that time, you guys. Why would I watch that? I just uh, my favorite thing from Boy Meets World is the Feeny call because one of the characters always would like ask him for assistance, and he'd go out to the backyard. They shared like a fence, <clears throat> and every and Eric Matthews would do a different one every time. He was like Feeny, Feeny. <laughs> okay, then <laughs> if you know, you know, and Martha clearly does not. No, I do not. I watched Boy Meets World a little bit. Not, I wasn't like a super fan because I was already kind of old for it by then. You're kind of. Am I just not talking close enough? There well, you go. You were complaining that I was breathing too loud, so I was trying to back up a little bit. I swear. We hadn't even recorded yet, and she's like, "You have a nose whistle." I'm like, "Oh my god, I just walked in." We sat down, and Martha was like, "Bonnie, you're breathing too well, loud." I didn't want to. Say, I didn't want to say it. Quit after breathing. The- I didn't want to say it after the fact. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to pick on you. I'm already under caffeinated, and she just lays right into me. Get rid of that nose this whistle. Is, what are you, my husband? This is why we can't all record in the same room anymore. <laughs> 
We're those people. And gas is too fucking We like each other as long as it's at a distance. I know. When I forgot I had to get gas, my light came on right when I pulled in gas the driveway. Gas is high over here, too. Normally, gas is what cheaper is over here. Uh, at the corner, it was like three nineteen. Holy shit. I, played, I paid three fifty something over at that fucking Valero. No. Over on- you never go to the Valero. Well, I was out of gas. I had to stop, and I couldn't get the cheap pump to work. Those fuckers got me. Three fifty-eight. I That's paid forty crazy. bucks. Four bucks here. I don't even want to hear it. Uh, oh, well, yeah, you sorry. Yeah, but like, at least well, it was well, I'm gonna have to go get some of that expensive gas, this or else a, I'm making it home. Yeah, this is a historical document. So down the line, we're gonna laugh our fucking asses off at three dollars and fifty cents a gallon it'll probably mm-hmm. be ten drop down to like 289 there for a while and it was even lower than that yeah was it yeah, yeah i got really low are there any gas prices in your book bonnie God. no <laughs> damn no no gas prices worst segue ever jesus they didn't have gas back in the time of there was Bonnie's no gas <laughs> no the, I, this actually there were horses is not an historical fiction is it a historical nonfiction? Mm-mm. Okay. Oh, hold on. She's got to take out her grandma candy. Let me take out my candy. <laughs> hold on, honey. Was your grandma... Were grandparents... Let me get situated. Um, the book I did this week, I was looking for a short book because I so wanted to finish the last book of the Game of Thrones this week, and I didn't finish it until Thursday. So I needed a book I could read in a day. And so searching around, I found this nonfiction. I can't remember if it's a biography or an autobiography. And this isn't telling me. This is the first one that I've done on Libby. I fucking hate Libby. Yeah, Libby. Hate I it. I love Libby. But it doesn't tell Libby. you the information that I, it usually tells you. You got to go to Goodreads for that. I don't even, I uh, okay. don't so do tell Goodreads. tell me what the name of your book is. I found it. Let's see. So this is a biography, autobiography. I think this is just a biography. I don't think it was written by the people that it's about. Anyways, this is called Hatchie and Little Bee by Wendy Holden. And I will warn you right now, very big trigger warning. It's extremely sad. Of course it's sad. That's why you liked it. Keith, if you read it, you would still be crying. This is a book about a rescue dog and a disabled boy. The book starts out right away telling the story about Hatchie. And when Hatchie was five months old, he was hit over the head and put on train tracks. And they think he might have been tied to the train tracks because he was hit by the train. And when he was hit by the train, it crushed his leg and his tail. And he was only five months old. And the place that oh, he the was... the dog? The, yes, this is the dog. <laughs> It starts with Hatchie. I knew it was the dog, and I'm still traumatized. I thought it was the kid. No, 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 no. no. (laughs) Sorry, I sucked at killing that kid. I was with you. I knew you were talking about the dog, but it's also because I could see the book cover over your shoulder. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I thought when I said it started with Hatchie, that was pretty obvious that that was the dog. I'm sorry. I should have specified. Maybe it was like an Asian book. I don't Mm. know. Well, that is where they got his name is from uh, a dog from Tokyo. It starts off like super sad. Like if I wasn't at work, I probably would have been tearing up a little bit. But I read it at work, so that didn't happen. And of course, you know, people report that there's a dog on the train, like the the, uh, conductors and everything. So they go to check it out. And the place that he was was like, it, it was narrow. There wasn't like a lot of space to get away from the train. So basically what this dog was doing is he would lay completely flat on the track when the trains went by so that he wasn't injured again until they could get him out. Um, so he was there for a little bit, bleeding with legs that are crushed, oh God. a crushed tail. So, and this is like, this is ex- how it starts. Mm-hmm. So this is a DNF for me already. I'm traumatized. Yeah. So it was, I'm telling you, it started out extremely sad, but they rescue the dog. They take him to the vet. Um, of course they can't save his leg and his tail cause they're completely crushed. So they, um, cut his leg off just a little ways down from the hip and they have to cut his tail off almost to the spine. This dog is an Antolian shepherd. And if you look them up, 
they're extremely big dogs. This dog is five months old and he's already the size of a Labrador. So to be um, a three-legged dog of that size still growing, there's going to be a lot of adjustments, vet bills, because of the way that um, their other leg has to compensate and because they're still growing, it creates a lot of problems. So they really think that there's going to be not very much interest in getting him adopted once he's, you know, gone through everything. And it goes from that story to the story of Owen, who's little B. And he is born with a rare genetic disorder. Owen was diagnosed Schwartz-Jampel syndrome, which it's a condition where the muscles are continually contracting it's almost like you're not, your muscles are tense and you can never relax them. So mm-hmm. it creates a lot of problems in the skeletal frame of these little kids because they can't grow. Their muscles keep their bones from growing, basically. And it's extremely rare. There's probably only about 30 people in the whole world that have it. He's kind of having a hard time adjusting once he starts school because he's, of course, the only disabled kid. He gets a lot of stares. He's kind of sensitive to how he's treated differently because he's disabled. And he kind of closes in on himself. He becomes really shy. He doesn't really talk. He is depressed because of it. And he's just really having a hard time. Well, his stepmom used to work with a dog trainer. And this particular dog trainer had this rescue dog and she decided that maybe if she got Owen a rescue dog, it would help him, you know, just bring him a little bit of joy into his life and stuff. So she kind of starts going online and everything and she gets in contact with her old boss because she knows that her old boss does rescues and she sees Hatchie's picture and falls in love with him instantly. That's one thing about this dog is it seems like anyone who meets this dog, Hatchie, falls in love with him instantly he just has one of those kind of faces one of those kind of personalities he's um just a a big teddy bear he just wants to cuddle he just wants to be loved he's not aggressive at all and uh she falls in love with this dog and brings him home and instantly owen and hatchie connect and they start having this bond that nobody could predict and hatchie actually helps owen come out of his shell Because when Hatchie's with Owen, because Hatchie's three-legged, they, of course, want to talk to him about Hatchie. So it kind of gives an opening for Owen to talk to people, to open up and become more social and have friends. And that's kind of what this book is about. I'm not going to go into too much more detail because I've already been talking forever, it seems like. (laughs) But it, it goes into detail about all of the things that Owen has to go through with his genetic disorder, surgeries, medicines, doctors, how the parents like struggled because this is such a rare disorder that they didn't have anyone to talk to about it. They felt very isolated. And it also goes into a lot of detail of all of the stuff that Hatchie goes through, like um, the different problems that he has being a three-legged dog and uh kind of a little bit about his story you read another book that was kind of daisy is autistic or something yeah Mm -hmm. that's what this reminds me of hearing Mm -hmm. you talk about it it reminds me of that well one of the things that i love about this is that of course i believe in adopting and not shopping like there's so many dogs that need to be rescued and dogs who are disabled and may have higher vet bills get looked after or looked over because people don't want that extra responsibility. But then you have these other people that take on these, these dogs that it takes so much more effort, but they're so worth it. And it just breaks my heart that they get overlooked, I guess. So it just really, I don't know, it makes me happy when people give these these specific kind of dogs who are often overlooked homes because everyone deserves a home. 
And it makes does me this sad. Does this dog attract rabies? And does he have to then shoot it? Because that's where it sounds like this book is going. <laughs> this is an old yeller. <laughs> um, Are you sure? <laughs> I feel like all the dog books end in sort of that way. You're going to have to read the book yourself if you want to know how it ends. It starts out really sad, but it doesn't stay as sad as the beginning. Now, this is a nonfiction, we so... Hope. And this was, you know, back in like 2013, 2013, he was full grown. So, I mean, dogs don't live that long. (laughs) No, this dog is dead. But it's such a great story and they want to make him, you know, they go through the procedure to make him a support dog for disabled vets who've lost a limb in duty. And another thing that I didn't mention that makes it even more difficult for the parents is they're both military. So besides having a disabled dog and son that need extra care and extra time, they also have to go on tours of duty and be gone for months at a time too. This couple is just amazing. They give up so much of their time and so much of their energy. And besides this, they do charities. They go to all of these different things for rescue animals. And it looks like they have a pretty big social presence on Facebook. So you could look it do. up. They do. Oh, they're, okay. they're on Facebook. And Hatchie had a Facebook for only a couple of days and already had a thousand followers. That's Wait, how much. The dog had it on The Facebook? dog had a Facebook. That's funny. But yeah, it was. I don't know how I feel about dogs having Facebook. Okay, I I do know how I feel. (laughs) Well, partially... I feel the same way I feel about it when cats have Facebook. Well, okay, the reason why uh, the stepmom set up... (laughs) Yeah, they do. My dog has a Facebook. What are you trying to say? I was going to say, Echo has a Facebook page. Yeah, she does. She has no thumbs! Facebook's always like, why are you her friend yet? And I'm like, I don't know, because she's the dog? Because she's the dog. (laughs) One of the reasons why uh, the stepmom set up a Facebook page for Hatchie was to give awareness to rescue animals and share Hatchie's story so more people would go adopt dogs. I have an adopted dog. I know you do. So why are you giving me that face? She's giving you that face because she just thinks it's absurd that the dog has a Facebook (laughs) I have an issue with but the see, exploitation this is of dog. pets. It's not exploitation when all you're doing is raising money for other rescue animals. I don't trust people either. So anytime somebody thinks they're raising money for something else, I'm like, oh, yeah, right. For the human fund, like George Costanza, like they George Santos. Okay, they wouldn't have written a book about it you're if they were... <laughs> Right? I thought I was grouchy today. Man. Drink your funny. I thought I was grouchy today. Shit. Yeah, you need more coffee. We's all grouchy today. (laughs) I'm not grouchy at all. I've had a great day. No, 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 no. Could you imagine if I did the Christmas romance one that I thought about doing today? I would be bitching my full head off if you'd done that one. (laughs) Bonnie, what book were you gonna review? (laughs) It's one that I thought was dirty, and it ended up not being dirty. She wanted a dirty book, and she didn't get one. Damn it. The book I was going to review that's the Christmas romance is called His Christmas Pleasure by Kathy. Oh, that does sound dirty. Maxwell. How can you call it that and then not have it be dirty? It should be dirty. Exactly. Let me see the cover. It was like only PG 13. And look, there's like. Oh, it's Regency era. That's why. Uh oh. They can be dirty in that era. I've read books that would make you blush. Lady Lady Chatterley's lover. I mean, look, she almost has a nipple slippage on the front. Almost. That empire cut is real close to the nipples. Right? If she moved her hand, you might see some areolia. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, Give us title and artist so we can go on to the next book, for God's sake. So if you want a really good cry and you love animals, this is a great book. And also, I would just really quick wanted to mention that the dog that this this rescue dog is named after was a dog from Tokyo in the 1930s who was so loyal to his owner. When his owner died at work, this particular dog named Hachikocho went to the train station every day when his owner was supposed to get off work 
and waited for him Aww. every day. Anyway, what the hell is the title of this book? <laughs> Hatchy and Little Bee by Wendy Holden. Adopt, don't shop, people. Yeah, I didn't read a sad book. I don't like books where dogs might die, but the dog's not dead. So I feel better about that book. Did the you dog look at, still did, lives. Did I you look it, it up? up? Uh-oh. I looked no, the, it up on Facebook. So the book I'm going to review this week is called Things We Never Got Over by Lucy Score. And yes, it's like this big, huge hit, and it's all over TikTok, and it's on Instagram and stuff. And that's because it's amazing. So don't come at me. It's just really good. So this book... Uh, is about Naomi. And Naomi just left just um left her groom at the altar because she gets like literally left her groom in the church, was in her wedding dress. She gets a call and she has a twin sister named Tina. And her twin sister says, You have to come to this town. I am in really big trouble. You have to save me. Naomi is what we would call the good twin. And Tina is what we would call the bad twin. And when I say that, I'm being like, Tina is a not good person. And Naomi is this ray of sunshine who really thinks the best of everyone. So she leaves her wedding, which she wasn't super thrilled about anyway. But um, she leaves her wedding and she goes to this small town, right? She drives her car. She parks it outside of this diner where her sister told her to meet her. So she walks in the door and immediately the diner owner is like, nope, nope, get out, get out. And Naomi's like, what? And you know how sometimes people will pay with bad checks or whatever and they'll put like your photo up? They don't need to have Tina's photo up because Tina is hated by everyone in this town. Oh, no. Naomi quickly finds out. So Naomi's sitting there and she's like, I'm supposed to meet someone here. And they send this guy and they send this big bearded guy and he comes in to help the the owner. And he's like, no, Tina, you got to go. Nobody wants you here. And she's trying to explain, hi, I'm not Tina. I'm Naomi. And when they finally realize the entire town starts calling her not Tina, (laughs) (laughs) which right there is just hysterical to me. So. Naomi is dealing with all this in the diner and her sister has not shown up. When she finally gets everything straightened away, she goes out to her car and her car's not there. Oh no. Ah. Uh, so then she f- went, so she's like, okay, my, my car is not here anymore and her car is stolen. Then when she goes back to her hotel room, her hotel room has been ransacked. And all the cash, which is a substantial amount that she brought that was supposed to go to, I think, her honeymoon, is gone. Oh, no. no. And Tina has done it. So Tina basically brought her identical twin to this town so she could royally screw her over. So Naomi is realizing that her her sister screwed her over. And then somebody says, okay, so Tina's left town. But her daughter is still here (gasps) and she's been evicted. Oh, shit. Tina has an 11 year old daughter that her twin sister knows nothing about. Her parents know nothing about. So, yeah, Tina is the bad twin. Yikes. So now Naomi says, "Okay, um, well, and (laughs) Naomi's parents have gone on this trip because they've like never gone on a trip before. So so they're like out of the country, they're overseas. And Naomi desperately does not want to A, interrupt their trip, B, interrupt their trip to say, oh, by the way, you have an 11 year old daughter, like granddaughter that you've never heard of. And granddaughter's name is Waylay, which is really oh funny gosh. because why? But whatever. That is so wrong. Right? So yeah. Tina's bad and she has completely screwed over Naomi. Naomi has no money. She has this 11-year-old to take care of and said 11-year-old is living in a place that Tina has been evicted from. So, um, and this is a very small town. She ends up 
finding a place to live. And of course, it's next door to the grumpy bearded bastard that gave her all sorts of shit at the diner. And he is he owns a barbershop. He also owns a bar. And Naomi doesn't find that out until she realizes that she got a job at this bar. And of course he owns it. And he wants nothing to do with her because even though she's not Tina, he's like, you know, the apple can't fall very far from the tree. So she has to figure out what she's doing with the fact that she just left her groom, all of a sudden is in charge of this 11-year-old girl, doesn't want to take her 11-year-old niece away from the only life she's ever known. So she's kind of starting over in this town and being not Tina to everybody. Yeah. Right off the bat, you know she's got it all stacked against her because... Tina is like, I mean, she has pissed off everybody in this town. There's not one person she hasn't swindled or messed with. I mean, she slept with everybody's husbands, it sounds like. I mean, she's just not a nice person. So this book is basically all about, you know, everybody trying to get their bearings and figure out what's going on. Um it is it is a bit of a doorstop. It's over 500 pages, but I mean, you find out about everybody in the town is kind of like an integral part to our story. And everybody in the town have these weird quirky personalities that you kind of come to know from like these little towns. Naomi has you know that quintessential gay best friend that you have always wanted to have. She has that. So he comes and of course he's completely out of place because this is a tiny town and he's this flamboyantly rich gay man who is just fabulous. Um, so you've got that going for it. You've got the grumpy bearded man who is a grump and awful. And then you have this person and then you have Naomi who thinks every, who thinks the best of everybody even though she has constantly been screwed over by her identical twin sister. It's just a really, really great book. It has amazing characters. It has all these intricate little stories of everybody. Uh, it has amazing banter. It has insane sarcasm and wit, which, you know, is pretty much standard for me thinking a book is great. I mean, if they're being assholes to each other and being snarky, I'm all for it. So this is a long one, but it's really great. I, I I loved it. And this author, I've been reading her for a long time. She was this, I mean, she was this indie author. And this book was kind of like her blow up book. And the great thing about it is that next month, another book is coming out in this same small town. So haven't read that yet, but can't wait for it. Uh, and that, again, was Things We Never Got Over by Lucy Score. I feel like that is a really long kind of romancy. Is it romancy or is it just like not? Is it just It fiction? is romancy. It's angsty. It's okay. It's got a little bit of everything. Usually romances aren't that long. Yeah, so I was like, is it more considered like fiction or is it more considered romance? Um, I think it would be a bit of both because okay. there's just... They, do, they deal with... A, they go into a lot of detail in everybody's lives it's called things we never got over for a reason because ah. there are a lot of people who have some grudges and some things that have been done to them that they need to move on from. So fair. Yeah. Cool. Well, I guess that means that Megan is up next. I am. I also read a nonfiction this week, oddly enough. Uh, wow. And if you listened last week, we know that I um, have a Romanov family problem where I just love all things Anastasia and Romanov related. And I wasn't ready to leave Anastasia yet last week. So I am reviewing the family Romanov murder rebellion and the fall of the, uh, of Imperial Russia by Candace Fleming. Uh, what I liked most about this book is it didn't read like a history textbook. You know, sometimes you read nonfiction and you're like, I think I just read a textbook. <laughs> uh, this does not read like this. And I think a lot of times we forget all the things that led up to how the Romanovs ended up murdered by the uh, Bolsheviks. 
And so there were so many things that as I was reading it, I was like, dang, like no wonder this thing fell off the rails. So we start with Nicholas's coronation, I guess you can call it. Um, Tsar Nicholas, he's the last Tsar, as we know. And in the bank, the Romanovs have the equivalent of today, $45 billion in like the 1800s, late 1800s. Now, I don't know what that was in like 1800 money, but in today's money, they are they have 45 billion in the bank. So they're one of the richest monarchs, we'll use the term loosely, monarchs yeah. in, in the world. And he obviously rules the largest landmass in the world because you know yeah. all those little countries that are there today are not there now. And it shows kind of just their out of touchness. So they had a party and um, Alexandra, which is Nicholas's wife, who is German, which comes into play later, she wears a dress that today would be worth $10 million because of the number of jewels on it. Oh, those dresses with all those jewels on it were heavy. Yes. I know that book that I read not too long ago, they talked about one of the books that I think she said that it weighed like 50 pounds. Yeah, they're super heavy. Yeah, it's insane because it had so, it was ornated with so many jewels yeah yeah anyways fun fact but, you know it. I, it is throw um, in and when nicholas is being raised right because everyone's like oh he should have been like his whole purpose in life was to be raised to be the czar and be good at it um well nicholas's father didn't like him and really had no use for him <laughs> so he just really didn't train him how to be czar he just didn't have any use for him um alexandra is the niece to queen victoria in england so Victoria kind of guides Alexandra as she grows up. And so you see a little bit of the British side of our German princess. Not complicated at all there. The people, not a fan. Not a fan of Alexandra. Um, they think she's weird. <laughs> they think she's controlling. And just really like standoffish. She always is noted having like a scowl on her face and looking uncomfortable anytime they were at an event. And so people just really didn't like her. She like had anxiety about everything and so she just always looked mad when like i don't know how to describe it but there's like in the book there's pictures of the family and there's one where she's smiling and the author was like in the rare moment where we actually see alexandra does know how to smile (laughs) (laughs) it is anytime there was any kind of uprising nicholas basically would just send the military he'd be like oh you think you're gonna revolt no you're not they called them the the black hundred backed the czar and they pretty much were his anybody he needed to go have not be talking anymore were who he sent and mainly jewish population of russia was a target for that group which were pre-world war one right now in this story but he pretty much would just be like no i'm not i don't think i'm gonna deal with this i'm just gonna go shoot a whole bunch of people Anytime there was any kind of protest in what we would call today St. Petersburg. After one of the reports, he was quoted as saying, this tickles me. It really does. So he was really a great guy, that one. He was just so loving to his Russian people, let me tell you. And as most of us know, our dear friend Rasputin comes into play. He somehow weasels his way into the royal family through Alexandra who is convinced that he is like a messenger of God and God will protect the Royals and, and then Rasputin and it's God's will to everything in the world that happens. Uh, the prime minister tries to ban Rasputin from the Royal family. Uh, and that doesn't end well. So they kind of give up. He Rasputin would leak letters that Alexandra wrote to him that sound like love letters just to get people mad and then be there to like fix it kind of thing. He doesn't really care about anything other than himself, but he frames everything like it's about the good of Russia and making, you know, everything. Because he, he's worried about the people revolting against the Tsar because he doesn't want to lose his power because his only power is the fact that Alexandra protects his ass. From the start of Nicholas's reign, you just realize that, like, he has no fucking clue what's actually happening in Russia. Um, when they, when world war one starts and they're all like, Oh, maybe we shouldn't like put our nose in this. And he's like, no, 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 we, we're going to beat Germany in like six weeks. And all of his like officials are sitting here like, please don't do this. Not much has changed in Russia. Right. Not much has changed. (laughs) Really hasn't. But yeah, Nicholas was like, no, we can beat them. And all of his generals were like, uh, no bro. No, we can't. (laughs) And then they followed his orders because they had to. 
Like I said before, Rasputin c- controlled the Empress, uh, which is Alexandra, and she told Nicholas what to do. Like he kind of had no backbone. Like if Aunt Alexandra came in and she called, they always, she always called Rasputin our friend. Our friend doesn't like this politician, so you should remove him from office. Our friend knows what's best. And Nicholas just went, yeah, okay. Like didn't give two shits. He had no use for being... So he was whipped. He was he was whipped and just not real smart uh, because he just did whatever Alexandra told him to do, which is what Wes Butin had told her to tell him. Uh, he does give the people what they called a Duma, and that is basically a parliament because he was like, they want to say they have rules, so like they can. Um, what are you... What's crackling? It's her glasses. Oh, good Lord. Sorry. Uh, I was like, Bonnie's not unwrapping granny candy. <laughs> Um, wasn't me this time. It was, it was granny glasses from Gra- Martha. <laughs> granny glasses. So also the Duma finally says, fuck this Rasputin asshole. And they're the ones that go after him. They like take a vote in the meeting and are basically like, cool. So we're going to poison him and kill him because we're tired of his bullshit influence. Um, which the story of him dying is one of the best parts of this whole saga because supposedly they poisoned this food they gave him. But when they did his like, toxicology or whatever there's no none of the poison actually like in his system and so they're like so did the person who was supposed to put the poison in back out or did they just not put enough in to actually kill him yeah they ended up having to like beat him and then shoot him like five times (laughs) before they finally killed him and the czar just really ignored everybody's warnings like everybody's telling him like hey bro they're gonna revolt and he's like no they're not and then then even his army was like uh peace out girl scout we're gonna go on this side uh, and you get the, the, where you get like the two, they have two different names. They have the, the white Russians and then like the Soviet Russians. Um, the white Russians supported the czar and the red flags were for um, everybody trying to overthrow the czar. And then they kind of overthrow him. He finally resigns. Cause he's like, they're like, dude, you have to resign or they're going to kill you. Like there's no option here. And so he resigns. He's like, but we're going to keep it in the family. I'm going to nominate my brother to be the czar because my 11-year-old hemophiliac son sure as hell can't be uh, because he can't even function. And then the, the Duma go to his brother and his brother's like, nah, bro, I don't want it. <laughs> so that's pretty much the end of the Romanovs at that point because his brother's out. We got Lenin popping up, causing trouble. And he starts making decrees left, right, and center like he thinks he's in charge because <laughs> there's really nobody in charge at this point. And they are moved out of St. Petersburg. Well, they weren't in St. Petersburg. I can't forget. I can't remember what the town was called, but the equivalent of just south of St. Petersburg. So they move the family twice. They move them to a different house. Um, and then the Red Army, once they're in control, they kind of get rid of all the people that the Romanovs brought with them that were in favor of them and to protect them. Uh, they move them to the House of Special Purpose because that doesn't sound ominous. And are, are, is this about Scientology? <laughs> it could have been. That's where it started. Yeah. Um, and it's just really interesting to kind of watch just the complete ignorance that the royal family had of what was going on around them. They had just no idea of what was actually happening outside the four walls, partially because they didn't want to. So it's really their own damn fault. And Lenin originally does not want to kill the children. He just wants to get rid of Nicholas because he was like, that's going to blow up in my face if we kill the entire royal family. This is a shit plan. Eventually, they have more radical uh, Bolsheviks in charge. And they just really don't ask Lenin's permission. They just send a message that said, we're doing the thing. And that's the night they bring all the Romanovs down. And then we know what happens from there. Uh, and they talk. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But it just boggled my mind to sit here and like read the accounts from people who knew them and read even their because they have their journals, right? The Bolsheviks. I don't know if they thought it through, but they kept all of that stuff. I think it was just like, this is, you know, we can keep it or whatever. Um, but it was interesting. And people as early as like right after the end of World War II started like looking in the forest for the Romanov the Romanovs because they're like they have to have buried them somewhere they've got to be here they wouldn't have taken them out of this town there wouldn't have been a like way to do it but and they found lots of stuff like in the mines they would find their jewels and stuff they're like we know this is Alexander's there's pictures of her we know this is Alexi's which is the youngest and it took them a long time before they finally found the first grave that had the five 
And then that's kind of where the birth of the Anastasia legend and Alexei legend started because they weren't sure which bones they had in the first grave because Alexi, uh, because Alexandra and I think Maria were close enough in age. But uh, yeah, it's super. It was a really good book and it was really interesting to just learn that the Romanovs really were just completely out of touch with reality and didn't give a shit about what was happening in Russia. And like Martha said, it uh, really hasn't changed much in Russia. But basically the Russia we know today is a direct result of of the Romanov downfall because it could have been a totally different country. Well, it was years and years even before the Romanovs. Yes. That, I mean, even like some of the books that I've read that were nonfiction historical Russian the czars and the royal families just didn't really give a shit that people were starving in the streets and not at all they didn't I mean so long as they got their 50 pound jeweled right (laughs) yes gowns they were happy when the (laughs) the, I didn't ever realize where this term Soviet really came from it it was all the different like branches Mm-hmm. of towns and it was almost instead of calling them counties basically or like providences they were soviets yeah. and so then just how you had the soviet russian so i thought that was really interesting um but if you want some more deep dive on the shittiness that was out the, the last czar <laughs> and his but i feel bad for the kids because they that ain't their fault their parents were stupid um uh and that is the family romanov by candace fleming Okay. What you got, Martha? I'm sure it's not history. No, or it romance. is not. It is not. I'm betting. However. Sci-fi. Nope. However. Oh, not sci-fi. Okay. However, it is a book that falls outside my normal character choices. Is it a nonfiction history book? No. Oh. I think I would have to, like, kill my own self after that. <laughs> it's no, about a rescue about dog. A dog. I'm already hanging by a thread over here. (laughs) So (laughs) I've been through three books. You choose to go last. You choose to go last. I'm giving you a hard time. Okay. So so the book that I read this week is something that will go on my list of one of my favorite books ever. I just loved it so much. Anne Patchett is an amazing fucking author. Everything I've read from her, I absolutely love. And this book is called State of Wonder by Anne Patchett. Basically, it starts out with a pharmaceutical executive and one of his employees going to the door of a woman with two kids to give a death notice. So they show up to tell this woman that her husband died in the Amazon forest. Basically, they have received a letter back from this employee who's been in the Amazon jungle for well over two years. She's supposedly developing a drug for fertility. And they keep trying to get her to come back. And she has cut off all communication she's still getting money they're still giving sending her money and stuff because they want that drug so they they keep sending her messages she doesn't respond the ceo of the company who's one of the guys who's now in the kitchen of the woman who they're having to tell that her husband is dead sent this guy over there just one of the employees basically he he took advantage of the fact that this guy was a birder. He major bird watcher. And so when he's talking about the idea of going to the Amazon, the guy's like, yes, I'll totally do that. I can see so many cool birds. So he, he sends him over there and then there's they hear nothing back for so long. And then all of a sudden they get this letter from this woman who he went over there to find that says, I'm sorry, he's dead. We we buried him, but I don't know where because it was in the jungle and so sorry. Well, the, the wife doesn't believe he's dead and she's freaking out all over the place. And basically, she the, the girl 
Marina, I think her name is, is, is basically the main character of the book. She's secretly in love with the CEO who she's been having a relationship for a long time, but it's secret. Nobody knows about it. So they pretend like they're not lovers every time they get together. And she still calls him by his, she calls him Mr. Fox or whatever the fuck is. The wife convinces the girl, Marina, to go to the Amazon to find out if her husband is really dead. Sheesh. She doesn't want to go. She's not happy about it. She's part she's part Indian, like East Indian. And her father moved back to India when she was very small, but they live in Minnesota. Her mother lived in Minnesota. And so every once in a while, they would go over there to visit. Now, the reason that's important is that she had to take anti-malarial medicine when she was young. Well, she she kind of got psychotic, like, tendencies or whatever from taking this drug when she was little and she doesn't remember it of course well they start giving her this malaria drug again and the same thing starts happening so then she kind of makes the connection that oh man I gotta stop taking this shit so you you kind of get that story the fact that she doesn't want to go the fact that she's so unsettled by all of this she's having these terrible dreams she finally gets over there and Basically, they have to go through all kinds of stuff to get back to the jungle. Well, once she gets, I mean, obviously, you're in the middle of the jungle. Everything is topsy-turvy. When she gets there, her suitcase comes off the boat and she never sees it again. Basically, they steal everything from her. So she's, so they, she has to wear, you know, all this same dress that all the tribes women wear the woman that she went to see is completely she's complete she's so completely committed to the idea of making this drug that there's no way that she would ever leave what they're you get to see finally what it is that they're doing the women of this tribe continue to have babies into their 70s Oh, why? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So she she starts to kind of discover some of the things that are in the jungle that are causing this to happen. And there's all kinds of other stuff that happens too. That's not really the reason I love the book. The reason I love the book has more to do with the voice of the writer. She is an amazing fucking writer. You could pretty much just pick a paragraph out of this book and read it and it would be profound that's just the way she writes it was spellbinding in some areas and and full of twists and turns that I didn't see coming at all and friends I don't cry I cried at the end of this book was it poignant Mm, I don't think I'd really call it that no but but it was an amazing story. It was almost like too amazing. Like, I don't think something like that would ever happen. But the reason that I loved the book so much more had to do with the style of writing and the way it was told than with the actual story itself, which, of course, I would have been rolling my eyes all over the place, uh, especially at the way it ended, because I just wouldn't believe it. Of course, after some things that have happened recently in my life. Maybe I would have because sometimes the truth is stranger than fiction. (laughs) So this is going to go up there with the gold goldfinch for me. It's going to be a book that I just love so much. I'll probably go back and read it again at some point just because it's so good. Oh my gosh. I loved it so much. It, It was called state of wonder by Anne Patchett. I can never remember. I feel like I also reviewed. I never remember who likes the goldfinch and who doesn't. I've never read it. Bonnie liked it. I like the goldfinch. Um, who was Nicole it that didn't it. like it? I think it Alyssa didn't. Alyssa like didn't it. like it. Alyssa, Alyssa didn't like it. I feel like it. it's one of those books that yeah. a lot of you have read, and it's always and it's either like, "Woo, that's amazing," yeah. or Bleh. "Yeah, yeah." This Terrible. This actually reminded me a lot of a movie that I saw with Sean Connery in it. Mm. And I, I was thinking of that 
the whole yes. time. And when I, as Medicine I was, man. yes. And as I was reading it, I was thinking about, oh, well, this has got to be thinly veiled, blah, blah, blah. But no, the story when really you said takes the fertility thing. Yeah. I, Cause I was thinking, is it a cure for cancer? No. That for? This took a turn that there's no way it could have been that. And uh, yeah, it was, it was very cool. I was so engaged and so far down that rabbit hole that it was almost like I was there. Hmm. That's good. It was, it was good. You know, it's funny. We're all so different. Yeah. We read a in wide what, variety. In what we love. And, and it, it all always strikes me so hard when there's a nonfiction book involved and both you and Vonnie are like, Oh, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm in hell. <laughs> but nonfiction books can be wonderful, wonderful books. Now, I will agree with Megan. There are some that read like textbooks. Yes. You know what else I think besides acid wash jeans that was a huge mistake in the in the uh, 80s? Stirrup pants? Uh, well, those two. <laughs> but because nobody had a good shape in stirrup pants not only that you there were no good shoes to wear with stirrup pants no you look like a dumbass no matter what <laughs> even if you thought you looked good really you didn't no i was talking about crimping your hair there was something on <gasps> facebook that i saw that had that real tight little crimp <laughs> Yep. And I was like, why Damn, did dude. we ever think was that looked it. good? That was a meme that I sent you. Yes. It was Do you a know meme. why? That was those of us like Martha and I who have stick ass straight hair. We're yep. like, we want to be like the 80s kids with the teased hair. So we have and to we crimp couldn't. ours. Yeah. It's I tell you exactly why I used to crimp it. Yes. Every day. Every day of junior I had, high. No, this was me. I, I didn't crimp it. I had a perm from the time I was about five. <laughs> Until I was in my 30s. Keith Every doing a really nice scrunchy year. top ponytail yeah. for us. I definitely See, had this, this is the crunchy. Every day of junior high, I had this thing. Had and this was And this was dyed hot pink. And oh. it was crimped every yeah. day. And I'm so embarrassed that I even looked like that now. Like Rachel Ward on Friends I, all the I, time. I get mm -hmm. so concerned. There was a girl yesterday when we went to, I did a remote at a college. And I saw a girl, she was wearing the pants. They're a high-waisted jean, oh, but yeah. the bottom looks like you were chewed by piranhas. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But they're wider-legged. Yeah, the wide legs, not quite Jinko jeans, but they're Yeah, they're close. it's a wider leg that yeah. looks sort of like she stuck her, like she walked into a pool of piranhas. Well, yeah, because she's stepping yeah. on them. Yeah. My 13-year-old yeah. told me she needed jeans and the other day. And she gave me this list of things that she wanted on Shein. And all the jeans had like maybe like shorts amount of material. And then there were like the whole, the whole thigh was ripped out. And I'm like, you live in Pennsylvania. It's cold. And it's cold. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I wear shorts sometimes. Well, <laughs> I'm like, I know, well, but the girl, I'm not paying for no jeans. Well, the girl that I'm talking about was wearing a sweater. Was it ripped apart too? No, it was a crop sweater. Oh yeah, that's in vogue right now. Mm -hmm. So she's wearing a crop sweater with the jeans, the piranha jeans. Yep, that's the style right now. I just crop bought Crop sweaters and high jeans. That was like, that's I rocked what I that grew style up in. when I, grew up I in was that. in high school. Yeah. yeah. All well, I know is that there's- Crop sweaters have holes in- I mean, you'll buy a brand thing. new one and they have holes in yeah, them. The yeah, the whole thing is definitely a now deal. We didn't have holes in our sweaters. Only only hobos had holes yeah. in their sweaters when I was growing up. We did have the, holes in our jeans, though. The yeah, amount of, the yeah, amount of cardigans by, available. Yeah. It's so we nice know it's because you back. did coke it's, in the car. It's so nice being back in the same room with you, too. You didn't even catch my insult. What? I said, we all know you were doing coke in the car. That's why one side stuffed. That's the only way I can deal with you bitches. <laughs> <laughs> More cocaine, please. Like, all right, all right. Echo, are you done Don't with your... Don't say her name. She's going to start talking. <laughs> okay, lovely white dog. Are you done with yours? Because I'm about ready to get mine. We got to get our coat That's on. That's why she keeps a white dog. Now we all know. Now we know. Mm -hmm. So that her coke habit isn't... It's noticeable. It's noticeable. <laughs> if I spill a little in the car, it's okay. Why do you think she runs around your backyard like she does? Yeah. There's a reason for the zoomies, too. Yep. Well, a coke-related ending. 
Oh, nice. Cocaine <laughs> side boob. Choke her with a sea view. Harry Styles lyrics? No. No one? Okay. It's a bridge. It's a great bridge. Well, if I was doing coke, I don't think I'd care if I had side boob. <laughs> it's a fantabulous bridge. You'd be like, oh, I look fabulous. <laughs> if, if my hairstyles girlies are singing with me now and I appreciate you. These fools don't know it. They don't know it's the best, one of the best bridges ever written. Yeah, no, we don't. I can't give them best bridge because Taylor Swift throws some mean oh, ones. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Somebody end this monstrosity. <laughs> And that's gonna do it for three, three book, book girls. girls, the Harry Styles show. <laughs> Quick, where's my coke? <laughs> Harry probably has something he can give you. <laughs> Can't get enough of three book girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.